Amen. Uh, well, uh, I really do believe this morning, uh, we're, I've changed the end of the message. Holy Spirit gave me this yesterday. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. So we're going to come a little bit different at the end. It's not even in the notes. But uh, I believe that God is going to help you guys live out what you just sang and to sp- experience. Is that not your prayer this morning? That the name of Jesus would change and dictate how you see the rest of your days, and so we believe that's going to help you do that this morning. My name is Terry Pierce. I had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here for a really long time uh, here at Connect Church, and this morning uh, we're talking to you about uh, continuing through our Gospel of Luke sermon series, talking to you guys that God has a plan for your life. So let me get it started this morning, get your mind thinking uh, what we're going to talk to you about today with an illustration. So when I was growing up as a kid back in the day, when I was little, uh, and uh, that little country Free Will Baptist Church in Southern Illinois, uh, here's what the older folks would talk about on Sunday morning. And I didn't, I thought it was really weird then, probably was, but uh, here's what they would say, is they would walk in and somebody would say, well, I'll tell you what, they didn't shake my hand today at church. I even took a bath because it was Saturday night. Y'all remember those days? The big deal was when I was growing up as a kid, have no idea what it really meant, but on Saturday night, even Mama would come in and she would tell us, it's Saturday night and we're taking a bath. Don't know what we're supposed to do the rest of the week, but back in the day, uh, Saturday night, I guess it was the farming community, the whole thing going on, but Saturday night was bath night, and he took a bath, and this is what we did as the kids. Y'all older folks know what I'm talking about. This was our routine. On Saturday night, we took a bath, and then we sit down and we watched Hee Haw. And now, I grew up in a very legalistic, no shorts, Jesus never had any fun, neither should you, church. And so, uh, we had this whole thing going on. And so, here was the consistency in my upbringing, is Mama would say, now, I want you to remember, you know, got all them TV channels, three. Literally, they're going, what? Uh, And uh, three TV channels. Now, we're not watching that show that's liberal. They may say something inappropriate that we don't want you to hear, that show called Laugh-In. And so we weren't allowed to, wa- to listen to uh, watch Laugh-In. I still hear some music going on. Is that just me, Chuck? Anyway, uh, so, uh, but we weren't allowed to watch that show, but what we were allowed to do was watch Hee Haw. Now, here's the thing. If you grew up watching Hee Haw, somehow, Mom and our consistency said it was okay for us to watch a bunch of half-dressed girls in the cornfield (laughs) sing about drinking and partying but if you were in a cornfield it somehow made it okay consistency was not a great word that we discussed and unpacked and if you think about it uh, there's some validity there and so I want you to know that that was sort of the way but here's what the message was is that on Saturday night your whole thing was is you've been farming all week you've been working all week you wanted to just get cleaned up get the clutter out of your mind so that you could just relax and have clear thinking and that is a great feeling to have. By the way, back to the whole um, Saturday night bath thing um, and and the hee-haw thing. I probably shouldn't say this, but early on in my ministry here in the early 2000s, we actually did a hee-haw show here at the church. (laughs) Remember that, James? And so we actually did a hee-haw show back in the day, and uh, it was really as funny as you can get. Uh, I mean, it was hilarious, and we did that, and we had the whole production here at the church and all that. But I want you to know we have standards, and I'm just telling you now, I want you to know Susan Caldwell, Shirley Mills, Sandy Simmons, and my wife did not, and Heather Williams, did not dress up like the Cornfield County girls. I want you to know uh, that they did not put on the outfits, and so I know Heather is going to kill me. Anyway, and so I want you to know uh, that they did not dress up and do the whole thing. Uh, We had standards and convictions. But anyway, uh, but we did really do the Hee Haw Show, and it really was funny. Uh, But anyway, uh, I want you to know, get that visual out of your head. All right, so here's where we're at this morning, is we want you to know that's a, a good feeling. And if, by the way, if somebody comes up to you or doesn't shake your hand today at church, and you walk out of here, and we have a very lovely church. If somebody doesn't walk out of here and shake your hand and let you know that they're glad to be here, 
you may need to take a bath more than Saturday night. I'm just saying. So let me just throw it out there. Another lesson learned about the old school days. Let me talk to our, gen, our millennials down to Gen Zs, all right? So let me talk to the younger generation because I don't want to lose you on this one. Uh, and you guys actually do it way better. You guys got this down. And so teach the rest of us how to do this is you guys have this little button on your phone. And if somebody is dogging you on social media, if you get an app that is doing just funky stuff that you don't like and you don't want to hear or you don't want to see, you guys have a really cool thing that you all do is you go delete. You delete friends. You delete the drama, you delete the app, and it's just done away with. And so let me talk to all of y'all's generation. Is there no better feeling when you go, bink, and they're gone? Is that not a cool feeling? You clean them up, you clear it out, and man, that is so encouraging because, you know, you don't have to see that, you don't have to watch that anymore. It's gone, it's, it's disappeared in the World Wide Web. So all of those things lead us to this idea that is so sweet, the moral of these stories are, is that there's nothing sweeter than to be able to have that moment in your life where things are just cleaned up, uh, you've got your fresh start, your mind is thinking clearly, and you have a chance to just live in that sweet spot. Now, we'd all agree that that's a great place to live. So now look at me this morning. Why aren't you all living there? Our minds, as you walk in even to church today, and our minds are cluttered with all kinds of junk. We've got Stuff that we're struggling with. Depression. We're discouraged. Uh, we've got our, our past failures that are just dogging everything. And, and here's the big one that some of y'all are freaking out about. And you cannot see the light of Jesus because you're fearful. You're fearful of what's going to happen to you, your kids, the country. I, so why are we allowing all of these things to clutter our mind and fill our thoughts with all of this stuff of failure. If I told you that Jesus Christ came to save your past, your present, and your future, how many of you want in on that? If I told you that Jesus Christ came to save your past, sins, your present sins, and your future sins? How many of you How many of you have already dove into that? Man, I'm all in that. I've already made that day. I remember the day I got saved. I'm in on that pr promise. I'm all for that. So again, let me ask you the question. So we get that theologically down. Now here's the rub. If all of that, what I've just said, is true, you're raising your hands, you're on board with me this morning. If all that's true, then why is your mind filled with all of this stuff that is keeping you from seeing the light of Jesus? Why all of the darkness? You try so hard, but it's still there. Maybe we need to learn the power of Christ's forgiveness. Truly, as Tanner just led us in singing, there is power in the name of Jesus. And it's not just his name, but it's what Jesus did. And so this morning, I want to help you move the cloudiness of your thinking from your doubts, your fears, your failures, and your confusion into seeing the light of Jesus. Matter of fact, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. That's what we're talking about today. Write this down in your notes. We're talking about a clean mind. What does Jesus do to give us a clean mind and to move us away from all this negativity that, that he interrupts our lives with and keeps us and robs us? Jesus was confronted with a crowd in Luke 11 that was very skeptical. Jesus is going to throw down on them. We're going to unpack that here in just a second this morning. And he's going to unveil to them the light and the power of forgiveness. And he's going to say to them, if you truly understand what it means to be forgiven. Now hear me this morning. This is what you want to get. If you understand what it means for me, the power of the name, which you all just sang about, this is where, it, this is where the rubber meets the road. The power of my forgiveness is going to change how you deal with your marriage because you're going to learn how to forgive your spouse and you're going to learn how to get over stuff. You're, the power of forgiveness is going to help you deal with your, your pain of your parents, the pain of your kids, the people that you work with. Now look at me, and, and, and I'm just, I don't have time, it's not really totally in a sermon, but I feel like this is so what the Holy Spirit's impressing on me right now. There are some of you 
who are not being able to fully see the light of Jesus in your spiritual journey. And yeah, you understand what I just said about the power of Jesus forgiving you, but you have problems with other people that have hurt you. Church people, friends, yeah, but I trust it. Whatever, I'm telling you, where do you have the arrogance to decide who you're going to forgive and not forgive? Did you hear what I said? Who gave you the right to decide who you forgive and who you don't forgive? You see, traditions that we just sing about and the rules. Yeah, but that person did this and that person's supposed to be that. Does Jesus put conditions on forgiving you? He forgives all your stupidity. He forgives all of what you do. And Jesus, and I'm not saying that we just, you know, go brainstorming into everything, but I'm telling you, part of the reason we're not seeing the light is because we're holding on to this fear that I'm not going to forgive that person because they, that happened to me. So the power of Jesus' forgiveness in this message is really deep. And he faced the critics and they said, we're not going to really dive into following you because we just, we're not sure you're the one. They had two groups of people that were there that day. The first group was the group that just said, no, uh, we're rejecting, you know, we're not going to follow you. But the majority were skeptics. Do you understand that you're here this morning and you're struggling to believe in the power of what Jesus can do? Now, look at me this morning. <clears throat> Last week we had, you know, we've, Constantly, it's like I said, fastest growing year in our church's history. New families were here last Sunday, and summary of what some of them said last week, putting them together. And they just said what we hear all the time here, and we love this, and this is what we live for. Is uh, they were walking out and, and uh, they give us feedback, and they just said, You know, when they, you open up the doors when you walk into Connect Church, there are stories. They said, You can just feel that these people love each other. They said, It's just different. I've never been in a church, and this is people that are my age, where when I open the doors, you could just tell they honestly love hanging out with each other, and they care about one another. Not super spiritual stuff, but they just enjoy drinking coffee and coming to church and laughing and listening to the preacher's funny jokes. And so they didn't say that part, but anyway, I just threw that in. Uh, but anyway, and so, so, uh, so they just do this whole thing, and, and then they shared. The next thing was, is that not only these people genuinely love, but uh, for whatever reason, the guy yelling, they didn't even know my name, they said, but I swear that dude had watched my life this week, and he was just like, pointing out stuff that's going on in my life, and he said, I just swear he knows what's going on, and he's like preaching straight at me. And I love that because I have no clue, nor do I really care what's going on in your life, uh, to be honest with you. But it's the Holy Spirit because he wants to help you figure out and give you truth. And so, this, and so they were just sharing the difference of being here. And so the question is, when you see what God is doing, change lives, people being saved, all that God is doing here on this campus and what he's doing every Sunday here. My question is to you, unlike the people that were there, why in the world are you still struggling with doubt, fears, confusion, and all of this stuff that you're hanging on to? Why, if you're not seeing his very presence in your life? It's because the devil is so good at helping us not understand his power is forgiveness. Can I tell you one more theological truth that you need to get down and illustrate to you? Uh, do you know that the, the largest bulldozer in the world... Are you ready? Are you ready, guys? The largest bulldozer in the world is a D575A. Did you know that donut? Largest bulldozer in the world is a D575A. Google it, look it up. Now, here's what the dimensions on this dozer is. 16 feet long, 25 feet wide, 41 feet high, and weighs over 225,000 pounds. It is a bad boy. 225,000 pounds. Now, I had in my notes here, Tanner, originally to make a mother-in-law joke uh, right here about the weight, but I decided that I was going to take the high road, so weighs the same as your aunt. Anyway, all right, so anyway, so here's the thing, is this dozer is, is really big. Uh, it's huge. It does all of this stuff. So I know, I'm, I'm not even looking at my wife. Uh, anyway, and so uh, this dozer is really big, and it does all this stuff. So you know what they use with this dozer? They take this dozer into 
uh, landfills. It is in landfills, and it digs up all of your all's trash, digs a giant hole, the biggest hole you've ever seen, and it buries all of our trash every day. That's what these dozers do, is they're digging giant holes and covering up all of our trash, and it's totally as if it never happened. Now, that's environmentally conscious. Anyway, uh, and so that's what happens every day in every county in our country across the board. Now, here's what I want you to get out of that story. Jesus Christ was sent to us by God because he so loved you that he took his son, the only one, among us that have ever lived on this planet that did not sin. And Jesus nailed his son, are you getting this, to a cross. And on that cross, he took all of your trash, all of your trash, all of your trash, all of your trash, and he put it on his son. And then... He took all of his anger and all of his righteous wrath and he poured all of that venom into his son and he killed his own son so that you and I could be forgiven. Somebody say amen. That's why we tithe. That's why we come to church. Not because of anything else. Because... We have been forgiven so much. Amen, church? And so, if you believe that theological truth, you accept that, again, I ask you the question, why are we not experiencing that in, the, in our spiritual journey of living in the light of this truth? Jesus is going to confront this, and he's going to bring the crowd along with him, but he is going to lay them out. You listen to his own words. When the crowds were increasing... He began to say, this generation is an evil generation. He wasn't nice. He just told it like it is. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in judgment, and the men of this generation, and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And the man of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with his generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something is greater than Jonah is here. No one after lighting a lamp, now notice the, the shift in gears here. No one lighting a lamp puts it under a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand. So that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. And when your eye is healthy, that's what we're going for this morning. When your whole body is full of light, that's what Jesus wants. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. By this point in the story, and we've been on this journey now for a while, in the story of, of, of Jesus in his life, his name has become a household name. Everybody knows who Jesus is. They have watched as Jesus has taken and, and hungry people, and he's literally, out of nothing, fed 5,000 and 3,000, and, and he's just done miracles like crazy. Uh, we, we, they estimate, uh, we know of hundreds in the Bible, but you realize that in John 21, he says that you can't even write in all the books in the world what Jesus Jesus did in these 33 years that he was on this planet. So Jesus is just blowing our minds. He's done thousands of miracles. We don't even know about all of them. All of this is going on. He not only did the miracles, he fed the hungry people, but he would take people that couldn't walk and he would touch them and they would walk. He would take the blind and make them to see. He would confront the Pharisees that nobody was allowed to touch, nobody was allowed to criticize. He would openly challenge the religious leadership of his day, call them dead tombs and a lot of other names to get their attention. And so nobody's ever been like Jesus. And again, remember who was in the crowd. 
and it's in the same crowd. Nothing's changed today, Ernie. There's two groups of people here this morning with all of that that he did in their midst. You're either going to, there was the first group who just said, no, we're out. We were in staff meeting this week, and I think it was Tanner that, that said, and we were talking about, you know, or talk, maybe it was on a podcast. Uh, we have a podcast. Uh, we need more than 11 of you to listen. Anyway, and so uh, yeah, I think it was in the podcast. We were talking about uh, great discussions that we had last Sunday night. I can't wait to hear what happens tonight. It's going to be awesome. But, but we were talking about that when we got to that point of the message where they called Jesus, you know, and they just looked at him, and, you know, they called him out and said, you're Lord of the Flies. And we just said, man, kill them. I mean, I would just, you know, send the rain, all of that. And Tanner said, I wish he would have. And, 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 and then I looked, and then we had the discussion, and I said, but it wouldn't make any difference. And it's true, because he did all of this stuff, and there will always be those. And this is a good lesson to learn, no matter what you do, no matter how positive you are, what he gave us, and they rejected it and they walked away. But then there's the rest of us that are skeptical, and so they asked Jesus for another sign, and I think that's sort of where we in the Baptist church land up. All the things that God is doing at Connect Church, all the miracles that we're seeing, all of the life change that's happening here, discipleship, and all the stuff that God is doing, and yet you and I are choosing to allow the darkness into our thinking. We're afraid. We don't want to trust our kids for this. We don't want to do that. We won't forgive people. All of this junk that's going on in our life and we're saying God I believe you forgive me but show me another sign for me to give this over to you what did we just sing God I want you to take over every room but you can't have this room this is my little safe zone and you wonder why darkness keeps cropping up in your life because our minds are not thinking clearly of the power of his forgiveness. We're focused on us. God, give me another sign because I'm not quite there yet. Jesus, look what he says about those of us that think that way. And when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, ouch, this generation is an evil generation. I wonder what he would say about us. I don't want to know. I wonder what he would say about us. So Jesus compares himself to the prophet Jonah. And he says, you know, even when Jonah went to preach to the wicked people of Nineveh, they repented. And so he makes the case, and he's talking about those of you. And so hear me this morning. He's saying there is an absolute truth. And, and, and I know that we live in a generation, and I get you that are here this morning watching online and your family and your kids are growing up and you're like, this is a whole different thing and it is and we've shifted our whole church. Uh, we use apologetic preaching to try to make the arguments for Jesus because that's what Jesus did all, already. So here's what I want you to understand. It is, I know some of you have been hurt by church. Stand in line. Some of you have been hurt by preachers. Some of you have been hurt by whatever. And I'm just telling you this morning the power of forgiveness. And you need to know today that just because stuff in religion and traditions have hurt you or been wrong, or maybe even you, me, have been wrong in what we've said and done, I want you to know the power of forgiveness this morning. Because when Jesus came and preached, he said even the people of Nineveh understood with all of their evil that it was about this message. And here's what I want you to write down. It's very clear. It's just simply repent and follow me. We make this so complicated. Write this down. This is all he's saying. If you want to see the light come into your life, repent of what you're struggling with and follow him. Do it his way. It's not that hard to do. So let me illustrate to you this morning. Those of you that are deconstructing your faith, you just, man, I don't get this. I, it's about how I feel. We live in a generation where I know and I get it that everything is relative. I, my identity is relative to how I feel. My pain is relative to how I feel. Now let me explain something to you this morning. Jesus is making an absolute here. He's saying no matter what you've been through and how you feel about it, there's only one way for the light to move in. Yes, but I've been hurt. Do you think God was hurt when you and I rejected his son? 
over and over again? You need to know this morning, his absolute truth is, you have, the only way that you get the light is to repent and follow me. Let me illustrate to you this. I don't think you guys are getting this. <clears throat> this is his message to that crowd. You don't need any more signs. What you need is me. If you, if, if, um, how many of you have ever been lost in the room? Raise your hand, Ashley. All right, all right. how many of you have ever been lost in the room? All right, so um, you notice that there wasn't one male that raised their hand because no red-blooded American male has ever been lost. We, I literally in first service had women yell at, yes, they have! Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, us guys, and here's the thing. Now, there's been times where I didn't know where I was at. Now, listen to the difference. I didn't know where I was at, but that's way different than being lost. I was going to find my way out, all right? So that's different. You with me, guys? But, but, but in all honesty, uh, you all women that, you know, dog on us about, you know, the fact that we, ne- we won't admit we've ever been lost or would ever get lost, I, don't, I can prove to you that we've never been lost or we can't possibly be lost. How could we ever get lost when we have a woman beside us telling us everything we're doing wrong while we're driving? What? Stop! Go faster. Anyway, I'm not, I'm just saying theoretically. And then when we plug in the GPS, it has a female voice, turn here, turn there, turn left, stop, go whatever. How could we ever be wrong? Just thought I'd throw that out there. All right, again, I'm not looking at my wife. So all of this is, you know, and, and so when we get on that road, have you ever been lost? You're going down the road, and especially on, a, on the interstate, and what happens when you miss your turn? You know what you do is, first of all, I told you. All right, but anyway, so you're on the road, you're on the interstate, and you realize that, and, and here's my argument to my younger crowd. It's not just how you feel. You understand in science that north only goes north. South only goes south. You can feel like you're going south, but if you're going north, you're never going to get to the beach. I'm just telling you. Uh, so the truth of the matter is, there are absolutes. Are you with me this morning? There's logic here. And so Jesus is simply saying to you and I, is that when you get on that road and you're going in the wrong direction and your life is headed in the wrong direction, your marriage, your life, your joy, the, d- the darkness is leading you and you know you've made the wrong choices in your life, you understand this morning you're going in that wrong direction. Now hear me, the only way that you get to go back to the beach if you're headed north, the only way, absolute truth is, is you have to exit. And thank God that the international American whatever interstate system has created this thing called an exit ramp. And they made it for those of us that won't admit that we're wrong or lost so that we can get off and what do you do you get off at an exit ramp you go across the bridge that puts you back on the right road that you need to go in now hear me this morning jesus christ is your exit ramp and the and the word that he's saying to you the how you get off the wrong road that you're on is confession the exit of confession admit i'm on the wrong path confess it to Jesus Christ that is the only one that can forgive you and then he alone, not you trying to American, I'll pull myself up. I'll have a new creative genius idea. I'll try something new. None of that works. You turn it over to Jesus and quit beating yourself up and living in the past. It's called the bridge of grace and it's forgiven you and you and you and you and walk. And his grace over and over and over again takes me back to the right road. Folks, confession and the bridge of grace carries us back to where we need to go. It takes us back home. And by the way, for those of you that are terrified of just admitting your own failures and identifying your own weaknesses, can I help you out this morning? You need to get over your fears because I got great news for you. You ever been on a trip where you may miss the wrong turn? You ever noticed when you turned around and you headed back home that it wasn't nearly as far and it's so much sweeter when you're going back home 
than it was when you were getting lost. You need to remember that this morning. The road back to him, the road back to him is way shorter and it's way sweeter than being lost. I'm telling you, he will bring you instantaneously into that place of being on the right road. Isn't that good? So I'm just telling you this morning the power of his forgiveness. And here's what he says. Repent and follow me. And then he goes back into the text and he says to them, so Jonah, verse 30, has been, uh, become a sign to the people of Nineveh so that the Son of Man uh, will be to this generation. Then he talks about the Queen of the South. So let me just give you real quickly the, the text of the story here. And so he, he pulls these two parts out. I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon on this. So, uh, so it's a new territory and I love it. So he, he, he points out and he says to the people that's wanting a new sign they're skeptical of Jesus you got to do something show a miracle do something else again you know raise the dead whatever uh, and so Jesus says do you remember when this prophet remember he's talking to Jews who know the Old Testament front and back so they know the story and they're all going do you remember the story of Jonah yeah uh, some of you are familiar, not familiar with church. It's the story of the big fish, okay? Remember as a kid. So big fish, he's Jonah, and you remember all that throws up, bleh, you know, and all that. Uh, all the, and so all of that goes down. And so, <laughs> that's probably not in the notes. And so anyway, he vomits the old Jonah out, and he stinks. Uh, anyway, and so he, he's, he, he preaches to the whole country. The whole entire country gets saved. Crazy town. The entire country listens to a preacher by the way if you go through there and read the four chapters who didn't even want to preach to him Stanley it's like you going to Oxford I don't want to see these people saved anyway uh, and so he goes and he preaches to uh, uh, the Ninevites he don't even want to preach he's preaching terrible and they still all get saved and then the Queen of South story is this and this is unbelievable this lady when you dig into the text she's from Arabia she is Queen of Arabia. Do you know that the people in Arabia have never heard of God? In her day, she's never heard, Miss Sharon, who even God is. She worships idols. They have statues. They're pagan and, I mean, crazy town stuff. She comes and hears about a king by the name of Solomon. And she goes, I want to find out what's going on in this dude's life. And when she meets Solomon, she's overwhelmed by what God has given him and his power and his wisdom that she declares and decides to worship God and lay down all of her idolatry. And immediately she follows him. Now here's the key to what happens in this message. These people responded to the word of God with humble repentance instead of a demand for proof that Jonah's words were true. Jesus is saying to the crowd, if you want your minds to be cleared up, if you want your minds to be able to see and receive the light of my gospel, then folks, you got to do what Jonah did, and you got to do what the queen of the south did. They didn't need any more signs. They simply repented and followed me. Now, here's what that will do for you when we understand the power of forgiveness. Notice verse 33. One more teaching moment, and then we're going to apply this to your life. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under cellar or under basket, but on a stand. So what? So that they enter may see the light. Your eye is a lamp of your body, and when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. This is where I want to close with this morning. I want to give you some principles here to, to take away. But what I'm trying to say is that we, to get this clear in mind, it begins with experiencing and, and confession of our sins and allowing grace to forgive us, forgive others, so that we can allow the light to illuminate us. We don't need any more miracles. We don't need any more ideas. We just need to simply do what Jesus said and allow him to forgive us. Then he begins to illuminate the darkness in our way of thinking. Jesus wants to change how we see things. Jesus provided substance rather than the entertainment. This is so good. Write this down. He placed the responsibility for obedience before people. He offered you this way out so that you could see better and clean, and he could clean you up. He warned against self-enlightenment. I want you to circle that phrase. Quit trying to figure this thing out yourself. How many of us in our American culture, our, our thinking is, I've got to save my family. I've got to fix all my problems. Some of you are killing yourselves 
trying to provide for your family and do 47 things and you're trying a new idea this, new idea that. You're always just trying to fix things. I didn't have this phrase written down, but the Holy Spirit really impressed this on me last night. And, and I'm just going to give it to you. You're filling yourself with the next big thing, but it only leaves you hollow. Hollow people, hear me, hollow people live shallow lives. Hollow people live shallow lives. He wants to see you get beyond yourself. You have to repent and let him clear your thinking and illuminate to those things around you. So here's what it looks like. Uh, I asked uh, Mike, uh, Mike comes to our church, he's a fireman, but he owns a cleaning business. And I asked Mike to demonstrate for you guys what it looks like to clean a window and to be able to see it clearly. And then at the last half of the video, I'm gonna explain how you do this in your spiritual life. Let's watch Mike. All right, so notice what Mike's doing. It's going to continue to play here, and you just watch this. But notice what Mike's doing uh, is he's taking all these tools on his belt. Now, I love this because I love gadgets and stuff, and so I want to get me a cool belt. I won't know what I'll do with it. But anyway, when, if you were to ask me, uh, how would you clean up a window, you know what I would do? I would take a rag get some Windex, and I would just use, that's all I know to do. But notice Mike's got really cool stuff. He's got all these techniques. He's got sponges. He's got these things, dryers, all this stuff. And notice where he's going with this. He's trying to get the window clean. Now, hear me this morning while he does all this. Notice what happens right here. When you use all these techniques, you get to see clearly out the window. And what Jesus is trying to do is help you clean up so that you can see clearly what God wants you all to see. And he has techniques, the belt of tools for you and I to use. Now, by the way, real quickly, notice what Mike does here. Notice the guy on the outside. That is his phone number and the name of his business. He shamelessly gets all that in there, which I'm cool with. Uh, so anyway, but that, that's awesome. But here's what I want you to take away. Now, look, look, listen to me this morning. Here's the techniques that God has given you. Here's your cool tool belt that we've been trying to champion here at Connect Church. Out at our guest services desk is a little piece of paper. We also put this online. It's called a Hear Journal Reading Plan. Now, here's the tool belt that God gives you. Every day, God wants to clean your vision of seeing him and his light. Every day, the devil corrupts your mind with all the negativity and the wrong things. Daily, we pull out the Word of God, and we do a hear journal, highlight is your tool belt. Highlight, now this is what we haven't taught you before, but we do at Connect Church. Highlight is not just you reading the Bible so you can check off a list, and I read through the Bible in a year. Honestly, I hate that thought. Because your goal, you hear what I just said? I'm telling you, I hate the thought that you're going to read through the Bible a year because it's really not going to do you a daggum worth of, of, of help. Pastor Terry just said that on stage because the devil or God doesn't care how much you know if it doesn't change who you are. So highlighting, I did my Bible reading, highlighting, here's the difference. When you do a hear journal, you read the text that we're giving you, but then you're saying to the Holy Spirit, you highlight what you want me to get. So when Mary reads the Bible, it's going to be different than when I read the Bible. She has a lot more issues than I do. Uh, so when you read the Bible, it's going to be different for Regina. It's going to be different for Mike. Mike struggles to read. So anyway, you got all of these different issues going on in your life. God's going to highlight it because he knows your personality. Yeah, but I don't read well. He knows that. He's going to make it really simple for some of you Mississippi people. The truth of the matter is, you're asking the Holy Spirit to highlight what you need out of that today. Then the next 
letter is E. He asks you to write it down in a journal so you remember what God showed you to clean up your vision so the light can come in. So you write it down so it sticks in there and it hangs on longer. And then this is what we've never taught in the church is the letter A means you apply it. And again, what good does it do if Mike and Regina and Mary and Terry read the Bible all day long and they never ask, what do we need to change in our way of thinking? God, this is what you show me is wrong with me. And here's what I'm confessing to you which is the letter R. God, forgive me of that. You showed me today. Or God, thank you for reminding me, you are God, I am not, and you got this. God, I'm going to believe in you and quit doubting you. H-E-A-R is the tools that God uses to clean up your vision so you're not any longer in the dark. And by the way, your window's always going to get dirty. You can hire Mike to clean it, and you know what's going to happen? He's going to have to come back. So that's why you guys stay in the Word. So that is how God cleans up your thinking. Now, real quickly this morning, Pastor Rick Warren makes some suggestions here that I'm going to use some of them, and, and I want to help apply the why God wants to clean up your thinking. We're going to do this real fast. So listen, number one, here's why we need to clean up our thinking. God gives us a, a difficult new task. You're going to face... The test many times in your life. God will do this to ask you to do the, what seems impossible. What God is calling, uh, when God called Noah to build an ark, you remember the story? God called him to build a boat. You, you remember, look at me this morning. Noah had never seen rain. He asked him to do an impossible task that didn't make sense. And why? Because he wanted Noah to learn to totally depend upon him. The reason God wants to clean up your vision and give you light is because you guys are so stuck in your ways, you got to be in control. God says, I'm going to ask you to do something that blows your mind so that I can show you my glory. Write this down. Faith is facing the future without knowing what that task is may be. God wants to blow your mind so that you can be able to see his light and it's not about you. So he gives you all difficult new tasks to do. Number two is a major change. Another way God gets us to the light into us is why he's doing all of this cleaning up because God wants to take you to that next level. And the only way he can move us because we like staying where we're at is he says, I need you to make a major change in your life. God told Abraham to go to Ur. He, this is way before he ever gave him the promised land and he had to wait literally a generation before he would see it. But Abraham obeyed. God is asking some of you all, hear me this morning, to change where you're serving at in ministry at the church. Because it's not about you and you don't own it. Ouch. Maybe he's telling you that you need to change your friends. Look at me this morning. God is asking you to give up your set of friends that gets high every weekend, who have miserable lives, and they get drunk every weekend, and you wonder why your butt won't come to church and because you won't come here and do the right thing because you're not willing to change your friends and you continue to hang out with those that are headed to hell. He's asking you to make a major change and you wonder why you're frustrated and you can't see God, so you quit church because you gotta give it up. Number three, a delayed promise. This is my favorite. This time is when you're asking God when. This is me, this is my struggle, this is my personality weakness. When, when God when, uh, I hate when God asks me to wait. Uh, some of you are like, when is God gonna change my marriage? I've been coming to Connect Church and been doing all the seminars. When is God gonna make my husband get right? When is my kids going to start doing the right thing? Some of you that are single, when is God going to give me that man? They're not answering. Anyway, I'm just telling you, I hate waiting, and, and I get this, but the delayed promise that God is asking us to do is our, our promises in him. God asked Abraham to wait on his promises, and Abraham waited for generations before he was able to receive the promise of even having a kid. Faith is waiting, write this down, for God's timing without knowing the win. God wants us to focus on him and not on the win. Number four, a senseless loss. Sometimes we face a loss that makes no sense. Often we look for an explanation when there is none. You can spend your whole life looking to uh, explain the unexplainable. Our response to the senseless loss, the, 
What happened to me? Why did this person I love die? Why did my dream end? Any of y'all had a big dreamers? Why did my dream end? Why did I lose my job? Abraham was put in an impossible situation. If y'all were God, you wouldn't do it this way. He said, I want you to put your only son that you've waited 90 years for on an altar, and I want you to burn him and kill him. And what did Abraham do? What would you do? He obeyed. Made no sense. And then what happened? He still doesn't know why God asked him to do that. Why did that happen to him? But God provided, and he walked with him through the journey. It's, you will never know the why. You just know he has promised, if you listen to me, let me clean the vision of your life and show you I will be with you. And then finally, a prolonged pain. For all those that are listening, all of my senior citizens at Connect Church that I pray over and talk with every month, those of you that are going for endless physical pain like Miss Wanda Gilmore and so many others that how long test how long will I have to go through this how long will I go through this relational pain this spiritual pain this physical pain how long am I going to continue to suffer you Jesus sometimes just simply says you must live with it you don't always feel like turning the other cheek you don't feel like that God is answering to help you get out of this trouble marriage sometimes just God says this pain in this season that you're walking through is that I promise that I will be with you here's what I uh, this is what God gave me this is different than what I wrote in my notes so the guys just have to play with it here and follow along with me we're, uh, we, we've been challenging our staff. Belen's meeting with the pastor's wives. I'm meeting with my team. And we've been reading a book called Broken, uh, Breaking Open. And in the fifth chapter, Jacob Armstrong, the writer, says this. I don't have it on the notes or the screens, but just listen, because this is so good. God gave me this yesterday when I was reading. He said, share it with your church. The journey of faith is not one where we know exactly what the next step will be. The journey of faith is not one where we know exactly what the next step will be. But because we hold desperately to God, we actually grow more confident and we continue to move forward because we just desperately hold on to God. So what does it look like? I want to put the scripture up. He wants to illuminate your life. He wants to bring the light into your window. How do you see clearly? How do you get a clear mind We've taught you that this morning. Here's the ultimate illustration of why. In that same fifth chapter, Jacob tells a story that I can totally relate to. Remember as a dad, and I know you moms go through much more, but as a dad, when you have that first child and you're sitting there and your wife, you know, and, and she gives birth and she's been through all the pain and the agony and you're feeling so stupid and helpless and you're just standing there, this incredible thing takes place in your life that you just, you can never use words to quantify how a dad feels. Is that nurse hands you the baby, your wife's, you know, the table and all that, and he hands you that baby and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, of course for me, don't drop it. And anyway, and so you're just holding on to that baby, and, and I remember the nurse handed me Aaron, and it was just like he had hair everywhere, and, and all this stuff's going on, and, and I'm just like freaking out, and, and I'm holding there, and I was just like, I don't even know what to do, this is such an incredible moment in my life, and then you know what happens next? The nurse just comes over there without any callus, without any concern or whatever, and she just snatches that baby out of my hands, and she just takes it off into another room, and I'm like, what? kill her. I mean, I, I'm literally wanting to jump her. I've waited nine months for this moment, and she just comes on and snatches that baby and takes it to another room. What's up with you, lady? And I go chasing her. And I'm sitting there watching her in her little room, and, and now people are gathered around, and church people, and Jacob tells a story, and a very similar thing happened to us. And you know what? Everybody's at the window, and they're looking in at all the babies, and then they're, and they're in the nursery, and this lady's just like going through my kid, and she's just poking and plodding and doing all this stuff. And I'm like freaking out. Does she know what she's doing? And, and so I stand there because that's my kid. And that kid cannot survive without me. I'm his daddy. And then Pastor Jacob tells a story that they got a text on his phone. And one of his church members, one of his best friends, texts him and he says, dude, you got to leave her alone. 
She's doing her job. She's doing a great job. And he texts him and he says, you need to come out here. And you've got to come out here where we're at and enjoy the moment and celebrate what God has blessed you with. And Jacob, and he, and he texts him and he, and he says, no, I can't. I got, and, and, and the friend says, J, he says, Jacob, Pastor Jacob, that baby, oh, this is good. That baby's going to breathe without you. That baby's going to be just fine without you. You need to step out. And you need to let God do what that baby was created to do. And you enjoy the moment with your friends and family. God is inviting you out of the darkness. You keep thinking you're God. You think it's up to you to save your family, your life, and everything else. How about you come out and let him do what he was created to do. And you enjoy him and his blessings. Shall we stand? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray today as we sing a verse of invitation. You're calling us out of the darkness and into the light. There's folks all over this room, folks watching online from Missouri to everywhere. And Father, they need to maybe kneel by the couch, maybe come to an old-fashioned altar and say, you know what? I'm going to get on that road of confession. I'm going to allow that bridge of grace to turn me around. I'm not living in the dark anymore. God, illuminate my vision. Help me to see clearly that you love me and you will take care of this for me. Would you come as we sing a verse of invitation? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.